welcome to episode 267 of The Yellow Wallpot. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, for this episode yet again. And I'm joined by the one and only Matthias Zug from Colorado. Hello, Matthias. Hello, Stefan. How are you today? Very well. Um, it's been quite of a bad week for Borussia Dortmund. So bad that uh, the United States declared a national emergency for their southern border, which is a code language for backline. Um, because Dortmund obviously have conceded uh, three goals now in uh, consecutive games. If you want to add the Bremen match, uh, they also conceded three goals there in 120 minutes. So uh, a lot of things to discuss. I don't know if anyone is even listening because if I if if this was my week as a fan, I would just not pay attention at all. So um, I would just try to block it out. But Matthias. Um, I guess we, we start with the 3-0 uh, loss away to Tottenham. Um, and I think we both have to concede that we were slightly wrong <laughs> in the last episode where I said that Jaden Sancho would probably have a breakout game at Wembley and that we were sort of agreeing on the fact that it might be easier to beat Tottenham than it is to beat Hoffenheim. Now, I, the only thing I got right is that Dortmund got a draw against Hoffenheim, but that's about it. So, um, Matthias, briefly, <laughs> what went wrong against Tottenham and why uh, were Dortmund in the end so embarrassingly defeated and sort of okay. out of the tie? So, I will, I'm going to have to uh, defend ourselves here real quickly. I still maintain my point, uh, especially if the second half would have continued in the vein of the first half, where Dortmund were clearly the better side. Sancho was playing really, really well. Um, I Well, I didn't expect the formation that Pochettino brought out. I'll be honest, that was a little bit surprising. Um, and his adjustments at halftime were extraordinarily good. And then, of course, what what really hurt everything was that kind of, well, not kind of, that completely cheap goal from Son 60 seconds into the first, second half. That that just threw everything off. And, and the reason why I say it's cheap is because, obviously, the way it came to be was, you know, Hakimi was too far away from his, from Vertonghen, who had the match of his life. I don't think he's ever going to duplicate that. Uh, he should just stop playing now. I mean, don't. <laughs> Still need him for the rest of the season. But um, too far from his man. Didn't get back in time. And you kind of saw that he did the... Sometimes you see it's so typical of fullbacks these days. Oh, the other guy's going to cross. I'm just going to slow down. Keep going. Challenge him. You can block across, you know. And then, of course, you had Zagadou completely alone in the middle who completely misjudged the flight of the ball. And, uh, you know, a pretty easy finish for Son in the end. It was once again a match where I felt really bad for Roman Bürki uh, because he's having his best season, in my opinion, as a Dortmund player. And he's just not being helped out in the last few matches because the goals that were conceded, none of them you could put on him. Uh, he, he made some great saves overall as well. And where Dortmund really missed things was in the first half. Could have arguably should have scored Zagadou kind of misplayed that header. It kind of came off head and shoulder. And then Lloris did a great save. And Lloris is not a great keeper anymore. Who knows what would have happened had the referee actually called the completely blatant foul oh, on Jaden so cool. Sancho. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was just like, wow. I don't even know where he was looking. It's not like he had an obstructed view. It was just very weird. But that doesn't excuse the fact that 
at the end of the day, yet Tottenham deserved the victory. I don't think they deserved a three-goal victory. I mean, they didn't do that much to win. But it was more the passivity of Dortmund in the second half. Like, they were okay with a 1-0. And that kind of played to Tottenham, who played loosely. Um, Dortmund didn't really threaten anymore in the second half. In the first half, they were very threatening moving forward. And they just kind of stopped playing in the second half. It was really weird. And you still conceded two more goals. So they could have gone after Tottenham. And you could arguably say maybe wouldn't have conceded two more goals. Maybe one, but not two, I don't think, if you would have played more aggressively. And Pochettino, his his strategy to attack Dortmund's left while leaving Dortmund's, or Dortmund's right, his left, Dortmund's right-hand side with Sancho and Hakimi, whereas saying, you know what, Diallo Pulisic, make my day. Go for it. Because I don't trust that you're going to be dangerous enough. And he was right. And there were a few opportunities where Pulisic could have done better. And had some opportunities in the second half. I think of two in particular. And he just completely bottled it. So um, all credit to Pochettino in getting it right tactically. And Dortmund, I'm going to you know, give a little bit of production to Zagatou. He's played 60 minutes for the second team since... Uh, I don't even remember when his last full 90 minutes were for the first team. Uh, due to injury. Topak, who actually didn't play that bad, I have to say. And then it was just... You know, Diallo at left back just doesn't work. Um, it just doesn't. Uh, I, I think Schmetzler should have come in much sooner and then not doing subs until late. It was just all around. Dortmund seemed really, really tired. I, again, I say Buki played well. Toprak did decently. Some great tackles, some needed tackles. And I think Delaney worked his ass off during the match. Um, but everybody else fell flat in the second half, completely fat, flat. I, I think we can see right now, and it's a little bit concerning that a lot of players look tired, especially mentally fatigued. I think that sort of explains to a, to a certain extent why uh, Dortmund are conceding so many goals from set pieces these days, because they're just mentally not switched on, and then uh, they're... You know, the rotation that exists right now adds more to, you know, a lack of automatism and, and uh, coordination and, and set pieces. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's a very toxic mix for Dortmund right now of, of, uh, yeah, things just not going for them. I mean, if we look at the, the Tottenham match, just the, the players that are missing and, and, you know, Royce not there, obviously, Lucas Piszczek out with a foot injury and, um, uh, Rafael Guerrero not starting um, is certainly a problem. I, I think we now see also more and more um, that the the backline of Dortmund just behaves very very differently if it's not uh, Akanji and um, Zagadou as as uh, the centre back pairing in in the centre and especially um, not being fit. Um, you know, even if Zagadou is there. He did not look uh, like he's on top of his game yet. And uh, that shows because I think Pochettino did really well to um, say, okay, we're going to press or, or put pressure on with, with two strikers uh, on Dortmund centre-backs and sort of force them to play with their full-backs. And um, I think in the um, previous podcast, we sort of designated Fatongen and Alder revealed as the uh, sort of uh, weak spot of Tottenham and, and where we thought Dortmund would capitalize. And in theory, 
Um, when you have Hakimi, you can expect or should expect that um, he can play the ball long line into Sancho and force a one against one. But um, that, as as nicely as this played out in my head, it didn't really do so so well in um, in reality. And the problem is, I think that Hakimi as right back is is just not really as efficient because. If you think about all the good moments Hakimi has, a lot to do with it has when he just dribbles inside. And I think he just does it much better because he's right-footed when he's on the left side that when he does these diagonal runs to the inside that uh, is just better suited with the with the right foot, especially also the goals he scores. He usually scores um, you know, with his right foot coming from the left side. And um, we have seen now several times that he has provoked a couple of hairy moments um be it as a left back or a right back when he has to combine out of his own back basically where he's like next to the penalty area so there have been just so many moments now that um yeah have been quite quite shaky or, or tricky and really forced mayhem and tottenham just uh, capitalized i mean i right after the the get-go as, as you just described um that was a hakimi screw up and it wasn't the first one in, in that kind and um, champions league sometimes you get punished for it i mean uh five also had an error and was picked off by Pulisic, but uh he at least uh yeah was was saved and dortmund just not on that level to punish tottenham for these mistakes but i think in in general um right now there is quite the concern for dortmund that they struggle as soon as opponents put pressure on their back line because I think Dortmund looked really comfortable after let's say 20 minutes or so in the first half or, or 25 I don't remember something around that time when uh Tottenham's you know first wave of pressing just uh yeah abated a little bit because they they got tired and as soon as that happened as soon as uh, Tottenham you know retreated a little bit Dortmund suddenly created chances and um as as soon as Tottenham, you know, pushed forward and especially in the second half, as, as you described, um putting all that pressure on, on, on Dortmund's uh uh center backs and leaving the, the Dortmund's left side open and, and you know forcing them into errors on, on the other side, um where Hakimi is and, and, and Sancho, um that is that is problematic, I, I think. And uh Lucien Favre needs to really figure out a way how Dortmund's um, backline and also midfield play around that pressing. I, I think the, the ball retention and pressing resistance is key. Lucien Favre is a coach that often talks about, you know, we have to be more patient with the ball and really talking about that, you know, safe ball circulation before you start attacking. And right now Dortmund are a little bit... Uh, uh, erratic I think once they gain possession they they want to transition really quickly and then lose the ball and um, another problem evident in this particular game um, and I think you would agree with me here Matthias is just the, the lack of physicality up front when you really press deep and, and try to revert to long balls to free yourself that you just cannot retain it because Mario gets against who was it Sanchez and, and, and or Sissoko there's just no chance he's going to win the ball. And this is, uh, you know, this just keeps the pressure on you. And this is a moment where you will need an outlet. And this is something Dortmund don't have right now if they are in these situations, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and that's where I was a little baffled that Maximilian Philip didn't come on sooner because he's he of the of the ones that are up there, you know, Pulisic, Sancho, Götze, none of them are physical beasts. Um I mean Maximilian Philip also isn't, you know, necessarily Michi Bachuai, <laughs> but but he's definitely stronger than the other ones. I mean, Pulisic, you can push him off the ball by looking at him uh, strongly at times. That's how it came across. Um, Sancho also, Sancho cuts the play back a little bit too often at times, getting a little bit too cute. And Gutsa is trying, but what didn't help him, and and you just really saw it, it you know, I, I, I tweeted it the first half, the attack from Tottenham looked very disjointed. And it was. Well, in the second half, that was Dortmund. And part of it was, I completely forgot that Dahoot was even playing at times. Um, because he just offered, I'm not going to say little, he offered nothing in that match. And that that was a huge problem. I mean, you always talk about automatisms, and there was just nothing there. I mean, the the lack of minutes he's gotten this season, same with Pulisic. How can there be? You know, yeah. the, how can that understanding be and and you he had to rest Guerrero because he's just been playing too much that you know and and we're Dortmund do not have a thin squad overall but are just very unlucky that the same section of the squad just got hammered with a bunch of injuries and illnesses they could go the back four as an example um it's not like Dortmund lack depth at central defenders there are plenty there but when a bunch of them are injured and or sick with the flu, you know, there's, there's not much you could do about it. It just gets a little bit disjointed defensively and then also in transition going forward. You could see again, even though against Hoffenheim it wasn't an issue, uh, you definitely saw it here. The class of Marco Reus was missing. Uh, very, very, very obvious. Especially depressing and, of Marco Reus was missing. Oh, of course. Because of course. You know, Dortmund, as, as I, I just named the, the issues of, of them not really coping with pressing, but I also don't remember much of any pressing that was well against Tottenham where Dortmund really forced the issue maybe for a couple of minutes, but, but not enough to, to really, um, yeah, force them away or, um, avert these let's say diagonal balls that five played every now and then um which which uh, yeah was a little bit ludicrous so in in that regard marco royce as a leader as a, the impulse giver for for the pressing impulse is just missing you know as as the head of that snake but continue i'll make my points later <laughs> No, I, I think those are all the areas and the issues that we saw specifically in the second half. And the first half was much better. Pochettino adjusted. Favre didn't. Favre didn't have to right away, but obviously conceding right away kind of forces your hand. I'm just baffled at the how long it took to make adjustments and and substitutions and that it was just so passive. For so between the one nil and the two nil, it was completely passive, and uh, I think the teams just ran out of gas. And and as such, you know, I hate to say this, but getting knocked out of the DFB Pokal didn't bother me. Uh, getting knocked out of the Champions League, which is looking very very likely, um, <laughs> I'm I'm actually I'm kind of okay with it to a point at this point. Um, not necessarily with the way it happened, but you know, the, the Bundesliga title is the main thing. That's what I care about. Dortmund were never going to win the Champions League. 
That's just not going to happen. Um, but winning the Bundesliga is a very, very doable thing. And, <laughs> and reducing the fixture congestion, I'm, I'm okay with it. But there are some worrying signs. But again, looking at it as contextually in, in its entirety over the last couple of matches, there are good reasons for each thing happening. And long term, I'm not concerned unless of course a couple more center central defenders get injured in the meantime yeah i i agree with you i think the you know the the, the worries long term aren't really there though um i think there is some some fair crit- criticism to make about favre at this point and and i i mean which is hard to argue about you know looking at the general record and how well Dortmund are going but um i think that for example really dropping the hood f- for so long and, and giving him so much little playing time and being so reluctant about rotation, I think is, is biting, uh, him a little bit in the ass right now because the, uh, uh the way Dortmund uh, played was really utterly disjointed and we could s- just, I mean, I don't have the, the uh, access to the Optus statistics uh, so far that I can, uh, you know, measure the, uh, time on the ball in, in the uh, final third versus, uh, other games. But I felt like players were taking a lot of touches looking back and forth. And when Dortmund playing that 4-2-3-1 with the uh, number 10, uh, like Maximilian Philipp, um, for Mario Götze, usually the advantage there is that, uh, they can play off each other in, in a synergy that, that is really hard to defend. And with Dahoud playing a little bit further behind in the 4-3-3, you don't have that sort of playmaker to assist Mario Götze. And then, you know, it's all a little bit disjointed. Mario Götze has to drop far back, you know, sometimes a little bit too far, I, I thought. And that then results in, in situations where you then, um, you know, win the ball and play it forward, but your striker is so far behind that all of a sudden uh, Axel Witzel is sort of spearheading a counterattack. And uh, even though it looks it looks like you have a break on, you have Axel Witzel in that position and he's just not the guy to do it. And, and uh, you know, without any surprise that that thing broke down. So, um, yeah, this, this is a bit complicated right now. Um, but shows that Dortmund have a couple of weaknesses and one of them is I, I think the uh, uh let's say lack of tactical uh, uh versatility. Um I mean Dortmund so far have made tactical changes and the in-game coaching by Lucien Favre has had a lot of positive impacts but for for once or twice if we talk about Tottenham later it's just not happening and um you know to me it's a little bit of a head scratcher if you have such a history all season of um your substitutes having big impact scoring goals grabbing assists that you then so reluctantly um you know substitute when was the first substitute made uh you know other than out of necessity i, I think brun larsen and and uh who else was it maybe wolf or so I, I don't even remember because it was garbage time you know that was when, when the game was decided and uh Yes, there are arguments for just holding on to that one elite and not tinker with the with the team, but you know, Dortmund were so passive that I was hoping for positive impulse and that was just not there. And right now I don't think that you should leave Dortmund to being just their passive selves, but try to, you know, 
add something. And yeah, also a shame that Alcasa obviously was out with um, a shoulder inflammation, I think it was. So um, yeah, overall, just just a very bad day in the office, but also for very good reasons, because I, I thought Tottenham really found um, the weak spots of Dortmund, pressed them <laughs> literally and uh, capitalized and I don't know about you, Matthias, but I think it's also very worrying that the last seven goals that Dortmund conceded all came from either crosses or set pieces uh, and all basically just uh, balls swung into the box and then, uh, you know, Dortmund defender either mistiming his challenge or just being plainly out-muscled. Um, so on, on the one hand, the good news is these things usually are not very effective. On the other hand is that they're right now very effective against Dortmund. So, um, yeah, it just also goes to show how, how good Lucas Piszczek is on, on, on the right in, in preventing these things because, yeah, against Tottenham, he was really dearly missed. Yeah. And, and coming to speak of, you know, the aerial presence after the Hoffenheim match, system manager Tailsic, who of course took the press conference because Lucien Favre was out, uh, sick. He alluded to the fact that Dortmund central defensively or in general is not a very tall on average squad and not to take something out of the video game world as, as a great reference. Um, but even if you look at statistically, and I looked at it actually just out of curiosity after the Hoffenheim match, football manager, um, Darwin have some of the worst attribute ratings and height ratings in the Bundesliga on that game. And then I decided to look a little bit more statistically into Dortmund's back line um, in, in the Bundesliga, and it is not very tall. I mean, Diallo's not very tall. Yes, Zagadou is a man-child. He's gigantic, but he's coming back from injury, and he mistimed. Um, he's still raw, but, you know, Akanji isn't that tall. Toprak's a little bit taller, but he's still not great, and he has his other shortcomings. So, yeah, that's 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 an area of concern, and that's when you need your fullbacks to either flat out prevent the cross from coming in or hasten the delivery to the point where it, it doesn't become very accurate. That was the biggest problem I saw, especially with the first goal. And I put it squarely on Hakimi. He didn't close down for Tongan, who's not a great crosser of the ball. Um, he didn't put enough pressure on him. He just slowed down and stopped essentially and let him cross. And, you know, you can let any professional football for the most part, give him that much time and space to cross. He's going to put in a pretty decent one. And, and that's, you can't do that. If you know that that's an area of concern and Tezic pretty much acknowledged that it's an area of weakness and concern. And how can you not, when you look at how many from crosses goals have been conceded and set pieces count as crosses too. Um, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed all around, but I have faith that it will be addressed. And as more players come back from injury and illness, I don't foresee this uh, slight dip in results carrying on for the rest of the season. Well, you, you see, the thing is, usually Dortmund have a very sound structure that when they allow crosses that their center backs, even though if they are not the most physical can usually deal with it because 
you know, Zagadua country, for example, usually have excellent timing. And the, the, the problem is Diallo right now, for some reason, I don't know if, if, if this is something that I just didn't see as much beforehand, but right now just his timing and, and his anticipation of crosses and judging of how balls go just is completely off. Um, especially against Hoffenheim, he had an absolutely dire game. And, uh, this is, this is the problem, but I also don't think it's, it's just necessarily about height. If you think about, I think the uh, second goal that Hoffenheim scored, if we move over to this game, then, uh, uh you just see how I think Kramaric it was. I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, you know, just leaping over Hakimi, who was just sort of standing there, not knowing that there's someone in, in his back and not going for the ball and just, you know, standing there like a wet sack of potatoes and if if this is uh, how you defend then you just cannot win doesn't matter how tall you are how strong you are if you're not you know if you're not tense and using that strength or your height uh which is then 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 you're completely lost i, I think hakimi had he done just a modicum of defending there uh this would have not resulted in a goal because he would have put off the attacker there and and that would have been it but now, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're talking about what looked to be a very comfortable three nothing win and, and, you know, a very harsh choke and, and, and giveaway of, of, uh, you know, three nil. And it's, it's just very frustrating. I, I thought, you know, going, uh, lo- losing two points, uh, like that, this is more frustrating to me than, uh, losing three nil away to Tottenham, who, allegedly were good yes Nagelsmann switched in the second half and made adjustments and and uh, improved uh, Hoffenheim's game but it wasn't to that level that Hoffenheim completely played Dortmund off the park um and especially not with the way they they created their their goals in the end yes Roman Bürki was forced to a couple of really good saves, but you can at least argue that Dortmund likewise had good chances and, uh, you know, Jay Sancho came really close to, to hitting, uh, the fourth goal when he hit the inside of the post. So, um, that was still very on, on, on level and, uh, yeah, just also, I guess percentage wise, a little bit of bad luck that, uh, Dortmund conceded these three goals and, and the way they did it, but, you know, it just can happen in, in, in football too. And it's, frustrating that it happens uh, so many times now that we can hardly talk about coincidences yeah i mean like you said i mean and like i i tweeted about it as well saying that you know it was an undeserved point for hoffenheim and it was and i stand by it i mean they lucked out a bit yeah uh, uh, nagelsmann makes some good adjustments i think he's getting a little bit too much praise but I think that just has to do with it's Nagelsmann and he tends to get a lot of praise. Uh, I'm still wondering about all the Tedesco praise despite the <laughs> shortcomings this season. But, um, no, I, you know, to, Br- to be fair, I, I would put Nagelsmann on a higher level than Tedesco, to be honest. Oh, without a doubt. I think Tedesco is an average manager. Nagelsmann is an extremely good manager. Uh, bringing on Belfodil. Well, he had to do something. He was down 3-0, okay? Um, and I think he decided to throw something against the wall and see if it sticks. Belfodil definitely did that. He made a difference. He was a physical presence where before they didn't really do anything. They were still completely open defensively. And like you said, Sancho should have made it four. Honestly, Paco should have added one or two himself. And the match should have been done and dusted 4-5. And then 
maybe you concede a goal or two, the Diallo, I'm calling it the Diallo goal, but that first goal, I mean, that was just fluky crap. Yeah, it was so, so um, that, like, yeah. rookie saving it behind the goal line, it's just, you know, usually this kind of goal just yeah. doesn't happen. Diallo either gets it, clears no. it, or whatever, or, or Birki usually saves that sort of, what was it, shot or header? Yeah, it, it was just odd. I mean, it was just so out of the blue. It caught me by surprise. And then, obviously, the goal scored by uh, Kaderabek over Hakimi. That was weak. Yeah. That was so weak and so cheap. And and Buki, and that's kind of the situation as a keeper. Okay, my guy is one-on-one -on -one with him. I'm going to have to trust him a little bit. You know, it's not like um, Kaderabek is a, a beast of a header. You know, he's not Kayubi. It was just also perfectly uh, placed. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything, the chances that they had, and yes, Buki made some some world-class saves. In my opinion, he is the best keeper in the Bundesliga this season. Uh, and not just saying that because I'm a total Buki homer and biased, <laughs> but because it's an action, because I believe it's a fact. Um, <laughs> if you take the all keepers over the entire season. Um, and it just it was just one of those days... It came unraveled very unfortunately because Dortmund were over the full 90 minutes, the better side created over the full 90 minutes, the better opportunities. It just wasn't meant to be. And, and, you know, sometimes shit happens. <laughs> and the, the problem I had afterwards, as you well know, I felt there was a little bit of a hysterical overreaction at times to this, you know, the world is ending and that's it. Bayern are going to be champions, blah, 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 blah. We still have quite a few matches left, so we'll see about that. Um, and again, people picking and choosing what to focus on. Well, let a, let a lead slip against Frankfurt. Frankfurt are an extremely good side. And drawing against them, I mean, conceding, I kind of expected to concede a goal against them. Um, I expected to that, that Hoffenheim would be difficult. They ended up being difficult. It's... You know, when you look at the matches where you start the second half of the season, you've got Leipzig, you've got Frankfurt, and you've got Hoffenheim. You get five points out of those two matches. You still take it. And you're still five points so, clear so of Bayern. So far, Dortmund equaled the record of the uh, first half of the season, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm not... I'm not concerned. Uh, yes, there's a concerning trend, but if you look at it overall and you take the different factors into account, I, I'm not concerned. Uh, now, if it's the same, like, okay, if we look at the Bosch and Stuga time frame and it's the same set of characters making the same mistakes and having the same problems over and over and over again, then you've got an issue, no doubt. But these are not the same set of characters. It's not the same back line every week in the last few weeks. Uh, it's not even the same attacking group week over week just because of injuries and illness. Uh, and I think not having Favre on the sideline against Hoffenheim was also a bit of a, a loss because the way they had their communication set up done, it just it, it wasn't working and you could kind of tell um, and, uh, I disagree with Julian Nagelsmann where he said the draw was, um, deserved and maybe more. <laughs> I think he's being a little bit too generous with praise upon his own shoulders. Uh, I think Hoffenheim, um, are, are lucky with the point. They should be thankful with the point and run home. 
uh, with it, which I think they did. And Dortmund will be kicking themselves. It is two points dropped versus a point one. Um, but again, I'm not overly concerned if this continues to happen to the Bundesliga for the next couple of matches, especially knowing who the opponents are. Yeah, then 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 there are bigger problems. But thankfully, we have Nuremberg next. <laughs> yeah, I mean, b- before we get to Nuremberg, uh, I mean, Dortmund were 3-0 up. And I think we ought to, to, to praise that, especially um, Jaden Sancho's performance in the first half was uh, out of this world. Um, the the way he played the first goal, you know, again from a from a very difficult angle, uh, you know, against the uh, movement of the goalkeeper, very very smart, and then of course, um, you know, Mario Götze scoring again, which is something that I'm always happy about because uh, you know he has sort of earned it over the last couple of uh, yeah months. I would say to uh, you know be more regular on a on a s- scoring list, and um, I think the uh, the third goal of Dortmund scored with the uh, back heel um, by Sancho or Guerrero. I don't I don't uh, no, it was Götze who played the back heel into Guerrero, who then scored. Um, yeah, that was uh, just very very sexy football, and uh, it's also something that that Dortmund fans should be very encouraged about. It's even though the results just weren't really good, um, you know, there's still a lot of quality in 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 this team, even without Marco Royce. I think, which is very notable, that they can create that sort of game in these scoring moments and chances without him. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm not all too bleak yet about Dortmund's future and um yeah it's going to be interesting now though um because if we now move over to Nuremberg and in the, the future I think Matthias there's a little bit of um let's say pressure on, on, on Dortmund just mentally because they obviously want to win the title and being the hunter is always easier t- than to be the hunted in Bayern Munich right now they are piling the pressure on um, they are uh, now two points uh, behind Dortmund after beating Augsburg, and uh, so that I think is a factor. Um, how much of a factor do you think it is? And and if Dortmund beats Nuremberg, do you think that can take the pressure off a little bit, or do you think it will stay the same? And or maybe you think I'm just talking bullshit. And this whole mental pressure thing is 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 just a topic for journalists who are too lazy to speak about tactics well i mean first of all there's still 20 minutes left in the bayern <laughs> augsburg match so and it's 3-2 to bayern so i'd let's hey they can still get another own goal right <laughs> um so it's 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 not done yet it's not done yet as far as pressure goes yeah i mean the pressure is definitely mounting because they want to shut people up and show that they're strong i have no doubts about the mental strength of the squad because they've shown it in individual matches. Uh, and as such, again, I'm, I'm not overly concerned about that. Of course, when you're being hunted, as it were, uh, <laughs> the pressure's a little bit higher. But I also think back to, you know, Jung Klopp's first title with Dortmund. Uh, they were then also hunted and they were a very young squad as well and experienced at that level. And, and that level as far as also where they were in the table. And Lucien Favre is a, a calm guy. Uh, I, I, I'm not worried about mentality 
issues creeping in as an overarching theme. Now, for individual players, yes, maybe. You know, if if Hakimi starts to doubt himself um, and more problems come in, well, Pischek's going to be back on the right soon, and then you put Schmetz on the left, and you have the veterans that won't have that mental issue. I have no... I. I have no concerns about Jaden Sancho, to be honest. I think he'll be perfectly fine. Um, I think when everyone's back to full fitness and Royce is back, you're not going to see people like Dahoud and Pulisic playing again because the other players are just better and they're performing better. I have no doubt that Witzel and Delaney will be fine mentality-wise. You know, I don't know about the central defenders. It depends on who's healthy at what time. Um, but Zagadou uh, tends to ha- seems to have like a short memory in terms of <laughs> just shaking shaking the problems off and just continuing on. So I'm not too concerned there. Toprak's been playing decently. Uh, Weigel will play center back again, and 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 he's been doing very very well. So again, I'm I'm not concerned about it. Uh, and if I look at the rest of the schedule. Dortmund have some tricky matches, but Bayern do too. Um, they have almost the exact same tricky matches. And I think overall, when you look at tra- potential trap games, uh, Bayern have a few more. And no, I am not counting a match against Schalke as a trap yeah. game for Dortmund. I'm treating that as an expected win against a bad side. <laughs> yeah, I, I really hope you just didn't jinx us here. But um, no, I mean... For for a large part, I agree with you, and um, I also, you know, have to put it in into perspective. It's just that Bayern Munich, I don't think, will now start to really win every match. Um, they are also defensively very brittle, even though uh, right now they're they're winning against Augsburg. But you know, this game here is also not a foregone conclusion. You are right; it could still end three three. Probably won't, but, um, you know, there's, there's a much better chance this season than, than last season, for example. And, um, you know, Bayern's weakness is not completely eradicated for now. So, um, there, there's hope that they will drop points along the way too. And, uh, I mean, if we, if we think about the, uh, Nuremberg game. This is really a must win. I mean, Nuremberg are dead last in the league on, on, on 12 points. They have, uh, conceded already 46 goals and, uh, have a goal differential of minus 29. And, um, the sad part is every time I've, I've, uh, watched them in, in, uh, yeah, recent, uh, months and weeks, they have been absolutely atrocious. Um, they got a 1-1 draw against Werder Bremen. Somehow, but, um, the, the problem usually is that their defending is A, very passive and, and B, they just have a very weird, um, coordination of which player covers which. And that usually, uh, I think we saw it very well in their 3-1 loss against Hertha Berlin. It's just that there's a massive gap between their midfield and their backline. And this is uh, then being exploited by by sides that are just simply much, much better than them. And I expect Dortmund to punish them for that because I don't think that, uh, you know, from from one day to the next that Nuremberg have, have uh, 
yeah really fix all their issues and i just don't think that um even though nuremberg have a have a threat on on, on set pieces that they will manage to score enough goals to to get a draw against dortmund i i expect dortmund to score like two or three goals in this one i just don't see how nuremberg will score uh, as as many so um i mean the um the uh reverse picture what was it seven nil shellacking or so um i don't i don't think we'll see that quite like that but um i'm i'm very confident that dortmund will come away with the win um because you know it's a monday game they have an extra day to to recover from from the champions league tie and um yeah i i just uh, think This is this is the game where where they will uh, get back on track a little bit and can refine some confidence. I mean, let's not forget the um the the big win over Nuremberg earlier this season was sort of a a point where where Dortmund sort of kickstarted their season before and they they were struggling and then uh, you know the not bursted as we would say in, in German and uh, yeah I'm I'm really seeing this as a must win but also. I don't want to say comfortable, but you know, an inevitable win. I don't know. <laughs> it's football. It's I, a low-scoring I, game. Anything can happen, but I'm very confident. I agree. I agree. It's a must-win and it's a will-win. Also, can't forget, obviously, that Nuremberg fired their entire sporting direction, <laughs> uh, sporting director and manager, getting getting the boot. And they've got now uh, Marek Mintai. as well as some other guy whose name escapes me, kind of handling it on interim and i also expect a dortmund victory i i wouldn't be surprised if Nuremberg try to kick the ever-living crap <laughs> out of guys like like sancho but not that brutal um, but no but you never know it's it's kind of one of those just go you know i mean there no it's not like hoffenheim where it, at times it was i mean You know, not to harp on refereeing, but that was not the best officiated match in the world. <laughs> no. um, it seemed a bit of a double standard at times when it comes to physicality. And so, okay. Uh, and we know that Hoffenheim liked to do that with Dortmund. Um, also in the past, it's just kicked shit out of them. Yeah, it was just a classic uh, Dortmund v. No. Hoffenheim game. Yeah. And, and and I expect the same when Dortmund play Schalke. They're just going to try to kick the shit out of everybody <laughs> because they're they're not good enough to to beat Dortmund face up. Um, now Nuremberg are definitely not good enough, uh, even even though they're a little bit more likable. Um, be that as it may, again I I agree with you. It's going to be um, a more comfortable victory. Um, I think Dortmund, uh, yeah, uh, seven goals. I don't see happening. Mm, three to five, sure, I can see that happening easily. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll, we'll see, but uh, I'm I'm hopeful that it's really hard to predict how Nuremberg will will line up in this game because they have uh, tried a lot of different things now, and uh, I I don't really know um what they will do um. But their weapons are very limited, and I just already highlighted a couple of glaring defensive issues, which is just not up to Bundesliga standard. Let's just put it as it is. Um, the mistakes they make when they concede goals is just so laughable and and so so bad, really. Um, that you know they just deserve to to be relegated. And I, I think um, when we look at the table, they are. A very likely candidate um together with with Hanover um i 
I think these are the two that will go down uh, directly if we talk about it briefly. What do you think? Well, I don't know. Stuttgart's trying really, really <laughs> hard to get relegated. I mean, they're really... I mean, you got to give them the effort that they're putting in to try to torpedo themselves. It's like they're the hottest foul of the South <laughs> all of a sudden. Um, and I'm still shocked that Weinziel is there because he's he's not done anything I could see to make any bit of difference. I mean, he's better than Kokut, who's, in my opinion, the worst manager in the Bundesliga in the last two seasons. Um, but my, my disdain for his professional credibility has been well documented on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm not going to beat that dead horse again. But, yo, I mean, Hannover um, as well, I, I just don't see that they have enough. Nuremberg just aren't good enough. All credit to Dusseldorf. Uh, for a while there in the season, I thought, okay, Nuremberg, Dusseldorf, bye-bye. Um, but Dusseldorf have turned it around, some some good player acquisitions, and Funkel getting it done. So, yeah, I think Nuremberg is done, I believe, and, and Hannover would have a hard time. But, again... Stuttgart, they're trying really hard, man. They're really, they're they're putting in a lot of effort to yeah, get relegated. At, at, at so. least Stuttgart has has so much upside uh, that you know they at least have a higher ceiling than the other teams that they could, you know, reach a higher potential and then do something with it. Not uh, saying that it, it'll happen for them, and it's still very close. But uh, I just think that that Hanover and Nuremberg is, is just so detrimental that I just don't see them even outperforming this terrible Stuttgart team. Uh, I'll have to agree with you there. Anyway, so I, I think that wraps it up quite nicely. Uh, my prediction for this game will be, I think Dortmund will win 4-1. Well, that was going to be my prediction, so I'm going to go 4-0. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that's uh, is it for, for this week. Um, we will be back after next Monday, obviously, because uh, that's when Dortmund play again. It's the Monday night game. Um, look out for that. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Matthias, for coming on, discussing the uh, yeah pretty bad week that Dortmund had, <laughs> all things considered. So um, and and uh, also thank you for ending on a sort of positive and hopeful note, which is uh, something very important right now, I think. <laughs> So um, please tell our listeners uh, how to get in touch with you. Well, it's always fun to talk to Altmont, despite a uh, rather less than fun week. But yeah, I think uh, I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right. Um, <laughs> uh, my realistic optimism shines through yet again. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matiasuk. It's very nice. You can find me on Twitter at Stefan Butzko. Yeah, we're both very creative and just opting for our full names as Twitter handles. I don't know if you have a middle name or not. Uh, I do, but I don't need to add even more syllables <laughs> to the whole thing. Yeah, same for me, same for me. I'm also not going to disclose my middle name right now. So um, there's that. You can uh, get in touch with all of us on uh, yellowwallpod.com or Twitter and Facebook, which is at yellowwallpod. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud. And uh, please be so kind and leave a rating so you can uh, influence the algorithms of iTunes and help us reach a larger audience, which is uh, very much appreciated. 
And uh, as I previously said, we will be back next week with more talk about Borussia Dortmund and uh, hopefully a start of a new winning streak, which is very much needed until then. Thank you for listening and goodbye.